0: Episode 16, brought to you by Eagle Fang Crotty, the Valley's baddest martial arts studio. Come learn to bite like an eagle. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant Banjax and The Jump, The Other Voice in the Dark, The Man in the Box. To the left this time is...
1: (laughs) David Avaloni, also screenwriter, comic book writer, and elegant drunkard.
0: Elegant drunkard. I love it. If you missed our last episode, our powwow with uh, Eisner-nominated smoke writer Alex DeCampi and Ringo-nominated scouts underscribe scribe David Pepos, I highly suggest you back it on up and check that out. But we have a great show for you today, as always. Avalone, go ahead and uh, bring uh, our, our victims on today, huh?
1: We have we have three contestants today. We have Jim Higgins, and we have Stephen Prince, and we have Carla Nappi.
2: Hi, kids. Jim, Howdy tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Jim Higgins. I've uh, been working in some capacity in the comics business as an editor or writer since 1993. Um, uh, I started working for DC Comics in 94 in the Paradox Press division, which was an eclectic uh, part of DC Uh we did the Paradox uh, Big Books, which were non-fiction books about all different topics. So we had titles like The Big Book of Weirdos, The Big Book of Conspiracies, Big Book of Urban Legends. Every story was the, drawn by a different artist. Most of the books had between 50 and 60 stories. And uh, I got to work with hundreds of artists uh, while, while doing that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, The department was run by Andy Helfer Who was really one of the best editors In the the company at the time Definitely one of the real visionaries He also did a line He also put together a line of uh, uh, Crime graphic novels Two of which got made into films uh, Those were Road to Perdition And History of Violence And to our amazement They got made into good movies (laughs) Um, And so I was on as an editor As an assistant I learned the ropes Um, uh, eventually edited five of the big books, left D.C. in 2000, started a very small publishing company, very big, very small, this big, Uh, published a couple of anthologies, a couple of comics uh, over the next four or five years. But while I was at D.C., the last, the tail end, this is when D.C. was in New York. This is 1998. I started teaching comics at School of Visual Arts. Um, I have a master's and a bachelor's in cinema studies and had taught cinema studies as an adjunct for the city university for about four and a half years. And so I had the teaching experience and, uh, you know, uh, talked to SVA about teaching a class and they said yes. And that was kind of the beginning uh, of, of all this teaching stuff that I've been doing for years. So I taught there. I taught there until 2007. I moved to L.A. in 2008. Uh, Wound up teaching at CalArts in their character animation department, although I was teaching a comics class, and pretty much the same class that I had been teaching at uh, School of Visual Arts. And, you know, within a few years, I was teaching at Otis College of Art and Design and doing gigs at places like... Cal State Northridge, and uh, um, uh, UCLA Extension. But kind of the real thing that I, I I like to think of as like the mark that I got to help make in in, in L.A. with comics teaching was at Meltdown Comics. Um, I went in, uh, when I first got there, I went into Meltdown Comics. I had known about the store. They were kind of a, a very well-known store nationally uh, amongst uh, people who knew about comics retail. And I said, Are you guys interested in hosting a comic uh, comics class? And they were like, we've been talking about this for a year. So it started out with my class. And then someone else after two months said, listen, I if you start another s- section, you know, like in college, like another c- class on a different day, I can bring you five students. So suddenly I had two classes. And eventually, we had a kids' comics class. We had a costumed life drawing class that was wonderful. Um, Satine Phoenix uh, ran that. She, she's a cosplayer herself, brought in all kinds of cosplayers who had fabulous outfits, um, not just comics-related stuff either, all kinds of stuff. And then we had um, a coloring class, an inking class, and then uh, I did a class called, uh, started a class called Writing Long Form Comics, which is how I met Ryland and Carla and and Steve. Um, I met you before that. And what's that?
3: I met you before I was in your second class. Your original. That's right. I was going to say I
2: knew you and I knew each other before then, but uh, but you guys were all in that class together. Um, and so that's and so the other thing I do is I'm a freelance editor, so I work with a lot of people who are starting out doing like their first graphic novel. So I act as an editor and kind of a project manager too, um, you know, helping them decide with which way they're going to go. Self-publishing, book bookstore market, comic shop market, uh, et cetera. And, um, and I do occasional, I have done some, some work on films as a screenwriter, um, and I've done some crazy comics projects for people with a lot of money that never went anywhere.
1: So you don't live in LA without working for people with a lot of money on projects that don't go everywhere. I've always said this, that, this is true. I've always said there's a reason filmmakers love private eye stories because it's always about a rich person hiring you to take care of a ridiculous <laughs> problem in their life. Uh, <laughs> right. and every every individual freelance artist in Los Angeles has had a rich person pay them a lot of money to solve some emotional problem they were having.
3: <laughs> Steven, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a former rapper and toy company executive, and uh, now I write, I created, and I write an uh, indie hit book called Monster Matador. Um, when I took Jim's class, i I've ma- been making comics my whole life, but um, I kind of, I, I took Jim's class, and uh, I started writing and drawing um, uh like full length comics, and I wrote and drew something like a thousand pages of comics in like a five year period. Uh, the drawing part didn't work out as well as I had hoped, <laughs> but um, now I have a great artist, Fabio Alves, who's worked with Ryland on Banjax, and uh, we've kickstarted two successful um, campaigns for Monster Matador, and we're working on our third that'll be popping up in the spring.
1: Great. I have supported those campaigns, and they are great. Those are great comics. And speaking of campaigns and great comics, Carla, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: I used to work in film and TV in New York and in L.A., and then I veered into comics after taking Jim's class and meeting these guys who keep me accountable and make sure I keep writing. And I created Duplicant in the class, which is launching its next Kickstarter for the fourth issue next week. And we're also in previews right now for comic book stores. And I'm also uh, working on a short comic story for the magazine Friction. And I'm also writing, co-writing an animated television series with Filipino animator and supernatural expert Sapphire Sandalo.
1: Nice. I should wow. say that we record these a bit before they go up, so your Kickstarter may be in its third week uh, by the time <laughs> this is actually on iTunes, and uh, we've got a few episodes in the can at the moment. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you need those little uh, bumps during the lull, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, this, yeah,
1: This episode should drop just when you need a little extra, a few more eyes on the page.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 I guess before we get, you know, too much into, I mean, we should talk about uh, Jim's class and how we all met there and why we took it and all that stuff. We'll get into that. But, um, you know, I, I should just get it right out there because the the listeners, the viewers are very familiar with these books. Um, Aberrant, uh, the, the Ringo Award winning Aberrant and uh, the four time Ringo uh, Award nominated Banjax were both created uh, in Jim Higgins' uh, uh, classes inside uh, Meltdown Comics. So, yeah. Um, definitely uh more than a little bit of a street cred i'm i, I i'm sure i'm not the only one jim I, I, uh w- what were the other kind of like big uh publishing coups you had out of that class
2: I, I haven't had tons but uh um early on i had two students who you know they just went on to be comics pros sarah varin who mm-hmm. is she's done killed children's books and graphic novels for for young readers she's she's yeah. wonderful and um uh, um, Sarah Glidden, two Sarahs. Uh, Sarah Glidden did a, a really interesting graphic novel uh, uh, that I always get the title wrong, uh, but it's um, something like "How did How I Learned to." Ugh, I'm gonna. I'm I'm lost on the title. She she did it. It's about her legacy trip. She's Jewish, and she before she was. Twenty-five. She got to go to Israel and they will they sponsor um, uh, people who are Jewish from other countries to come. And for, I think, two or three weeks, you get Hebrew classes, you get a tour of kibbutzes and the country and you get all this cultural history. It's kind of amazing. And um, so she she did that. And this chronicled her journey as a New Yorker, you know, suddenly finding Israel in
1: 60 days or less is one of mm-hmm. her books. Uh, yes. Thank you. Which looks great, actually. And she has a new book out called Rolling Blackouts. Right. It looks like great stuff. Dispatches from Syria and Iraq.
2: She is a comics journalist. She's, you know, there's not a lot of them out there. Um, Like Joe Sacco. um, Andy, not Andy Watson. Andy Warner is another guy who who has put out, he's put out little mini comics of comics journalism. But so besides them, though, you know, uh, Rylan, you've published comics. Steve has published comics. Carl has published comics, um, and I have one guy who uh, I'm, I I I shouldn't say his name because it's it's I don't think it's been announced yet. But the comic he did in the class, he did a short comic, and that got picked up by Cartoon Network to be turned into a show. Oh, cool. Like his. His like 12 page comic story um, And I was amazed I was like well, what else did you show them He's he well, Not a lot else You know I mean he You know it was a story It really you know self contained story It it was like it was the almost the same length As an 11 minute animated episode would be right. And um, So I haven't spoken to him in a while As far as I know that's you know been underway For a year or more well, when, when, when Meltdown, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say in Hollywood, sometimes the less you show people, the better. <laughs> it, well, it gives them less to pick on, it gives them less to object to. Sure, you know, I know but. I got a feature directing deal off a six minute short while they rejected people who had great feature films. And the producer told me it's like, Someone could find something they hated in all of the features, but this guy's six minutes short. There just wasn't enough to be angry at, so we hired him.
0: I mean, but, uh, but, but a comic can be the perfect pitch tool, oh, yeah. and it sounds like this was the case. I mean, I, I I know from experience, I mean, it's like, I mean, my business for the last eight plus years has been setting up IP in Hollywood, and I started out with short stories, and um and, uh, um, you know, and, and, and there was a, a little novel pit stop and, and now I'm onto comics also. And, and Aberrant was, I've talked about it before, Aberrant was uh, option for TV, uh, I think two weeks before the second issue hit uh, comic shops. Um, we were but- at Comic-Con, I think, at, at a panel together and you, it had just
2: happened, I think.
0: Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was Comic Con 2018, I think, and I think about 15 minutes after I hit the floor, the uh, the announcement hit the the trades. Um, but um, but that was my experiences. You know, I mean, I I came from, I mean, I, I have for I guess 16 plus years now, uh, uh, written film and TV in Hollywood, and uh, that's what I know. And so when I started writing comics, I mean, it was like I was writing from that place, right? And Abern is a Abern is a 10 issue series. Um, and it, it breaks down, like you're saying, Avaloni, um, it feels like, it feels like a 10 episode Netflix series. Right. Um, and you know, because I mean, I'm a screenwriter, a TV writer, but also, you know, I have a, a, a master's in film directing from the American film Institute conservatory. So that's where I'm coming from. I treat each one of these issues like a little movie I'm directing. And if, if you look, um, I actually give myself a writer director credit. Uh, on, uh, on every issue and, and that pisses some people off but they can go fuck themselves um, <laughs> and, and you know I mean when I'm working with an artist and a colorist I, I prep the same way I, I would prep to direct a film and I give them all the same kind of info and um, and it was the you know it was the it was the sense that I got from everyone I met with on this and continue to meet with on my comics because it's still going on but when I sat down with Tony Krantz he's holding these things and he's like wow they just they this feels like a movie or it feels like a TV show immediately, you know, um, very cinematic. I, I mean, I-, I, I have music cues in, in these books, you know, the, the first issue of aberrant has like four songs in it and you, and, and you just kind of hear the soundtrack as you're reading it. Right. And but what were we going to say? I'm sorry.
2: I was going to say, I think that's the case with comics in general. I think yeah. part of the thing with you is that you, your head is in both worlds at this point. So you mm-hmm. can, you can frame your comic when you're in a room with someone, I'm, I'm guessing that you're framing your comic using language that speaks t- to, to the film TV person that they get, mm-hmm. but that you just, the comic in and of itself is, you know, it's words and pictures. And it, it, it's a close enough relative that, uh, you know, it, it bypasses the idea of, I have to read prose text, you know, yeah. um, and for a lot of people who were high up the ladder, you know, I used to talk shit about the executives who, you know, like nobody reads anything, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a film executive and you, you got a dozen films that are, you know, or two dozen films that are juggling at this point, and, you know, you, you got tons of stuff to read as an administrator, you know, getting a 10 pages or a 20 page, 22 page comic, it, it makes your life easier, you know? Yeah.
0: 100 percent i mean it was half the reason that you know about eight years ago my business model shifted from actually writing and this was this was uh this was a necessity i mean it was like you you could for years you just write a spec script if it was good you went out and and, and sold it but then then the financial crisis happens the writer strike happens and hollywood completely remakes the way they do business and then it became possible impossible to sell a spec or a or, or, or a you know or a pitch and um then the ip revolution comes up everything has to be based on something but um but it also as you're kind of alluding to grew out of laziness i mean it's like um uh and and this is this is particularly a lot of the stuff i've set up it's because i got a piece of uh, of talent or a director attached to it and 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 executives producers are lazy enough when you're talking about a director uh uh or, or, or an actor i mean if they're staring at 120 page screenplay I mean, you, you sometimes have zero shot, right? But but what we notice is that if you can give them a ten or fifteen page short story, it you know it's fun, it's different, uh, it, it feels short, and then a comic book where it's like, oh wow, well, it's a picture book, you know. I mean, they feel like they're uh, you know re- reading a story to their four year old or something like that. But it ends up being this this rich story. I mean, um, it, it, and that is the interesting thing. I mean, you, you bring that, Jim. It's like I, I guess I'm uniquely uh, a, a, a suited.
3: Oops.
0: Thank you, froze.
3: Freeze frame.
1: (laughs) I think Ryland froze. It's a great action pose, though. I got to say, it really is. is. It really is.
2: You know what it is. Somebody in the film industry said, "All right, he's he's giving away too many secrets." It's
4: almost like
1: a Kirby (laughs) thing where you've got the hand, the big forehand hand. It's too Uh, bad
4: we can't draw anything into his hand. (laughs)
1: So, if if you can hear me, Ryland, you may want to reboot. But while we wait for him to come back online, I wanted to touch on something about teaching. Jim, which is did you study comic books at all or did you do you teach from your do you teach from your experience do you teach from your experience as of learning because you know when i got my first gig i you know i read a bunch of books i i did everything i could to learn about comic book writing i don't think i didn't know about your class so i was out here on my own reading eisner and reading You know, uh, Denny O'Neill and reading all of those things. Yeah,
2: Denny O'Neill's book. So that's my
1: question: is do how much do you draw from other people teaching comics, and how much is just this is what I learned from reading comics
2: my whole life? It's, I mean, a lot of it is is it's a combination of things. It's experience from it being at DC, and then you know I was trained or or I studied to be, uh, uh, you know someone who who analyzed film so i you know my my degrees are not in filmmaking they're in cinema studies so we're in there in the the study of film the analyzing of film and that kind of fits the way my brain works because i have a tendency to want to take things apart and see how they work and why and whatever um excuse me and so uh um so when I went to D.C., I had that mindset already. And then, you know, you literally have to learn how comics are made. Um, so that all that experience was was stuff that I could easily bring into the classroom. But the writing part of it, when I was a, when I got there, I realized that I could recognize a good story, but I didn't have the words and the concepts to tell you how to st- make a story from scratch. Mm -hmm. Right. Before I got to DC, I had been submitting literary fiction. So I'd been submitting short stories to like literary magazines, the New Yorker, you know, like big and small magazines. And I eventually started getting little notes on the rejections that would say, like your writing, keep submitting. But I realized not much, much later that the problem with my stories was structure and So when I was at DC, I realized I have to start, I have to find out how to, to do this and how to tell someone, this is how a story works from beginning to end. Um, And so one of the, one of the big things I found was John Truby. So Truby is a screenwriting guru um, uh, who is not Robert McKee folks. Okay. A lot of people like McKee is the most well-known, but I got a, I got a whole series of audio tapes of him from his uh, weekend uh, workshops that that he did out in Hollywood or out in LA. Um, my friend was actually working for him
4: mm-hmm. and
2: she got me his his tapes. and they're amazing. He's an amazing explainer of how stories work. And his method is intuitive. It's not like trying to fit things into a cookie cutter. Um, it, I haven't read. He has a book out. He didn't write a book for many, many years because he thought it would, I think, clip into his his workshops. You know, people would right. just not take the workshops if they could read his seventeen dollars book. A thing
1: that seems to have concerned Robert McKee.
2: No, and so eventually uh, Truby wrote it. But Truby's book seems to be more complicated than his. Um, uh the, the lectures that he used to do. And I find that the lectures are good because they're a little more streamlined. He only has about 12 steps, you know, in yeah. his structure. It's not like, I think McKee has 22 or as, something. As an,
1: as an aside, I, you know, when I was going through my thing of reading a bunch of books about comic book writing, I read the, I'm not going to name them, but there are a lot of famous comic book writers that have books about comic book writing, most of them have about five things to say on the subject. I mean, and they get they get they get into it in about 15 pages, and then the rest of the book is here's a friend of mine who's going to tell you their perspective, or mm-hmm. here's some examples from my work. My favorite thing is Eisner, who uh, like that old TV pilot, look well. All of his examples are Eisner, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like Scott McCloud is like, and here's some great panels from Love and Rockets that'll teach you something. Eisner's like I, it's all in Eisner, man. <laughs> like everything you need to know about comics, you can learn by reading a page of my comics.
2: Well, one of the things I I used to use Eisner to teach, and one of the things I now I'm I'm an enormous fan of Eisner, like mm-hmm. you know, huge, huge. Me too. But comics and sequential art is not a great book to <laughs> learn about comics, and I it's like heresy to say that to some people.
1: Yeah, no, um, it's, it's it's not. I got uh, I'm I got more out of various interviews with comic book writers, honestly, than out of any of the... Like, the Denny O'Neill book is great, but for me, if you've written anything in your life, 80% of that book is creative writing 101 at the high school level. And that's great. There are people for whom that is a very necessary book, uh-huh. but I don't need to know about protagonists and antagonists necessarily. Yeah. I don't I don't need anyone telling me that stuff. Right. I, the thing I, about
2: I the thing about Eisner is that, uh, I mean, Eisner's book is about visual storytelling. So it's not quite the same thing. But he uh, the first, like, I don't know, 30, 30 pages or so of the book are actually real good. And then he starts kind of throwing things out that are very arbitrary. It's like this kind of panel means this. This kind of yeah. angle means that. And it doesn't. It, it means that if in, in that circumstance, but not in others'. And so it's it's a little more complex than and that. There are two uh, Eisner ones. was a better... Uh, Eisner probably was a... I hear Eisner was a good teacher. He taught yeah. at the School of Visual Arts yeah. before I was there.
1: I can see that. I want to open up, Carla, what made you take Jim's class? What attracted you to it? And what did you you get out of it?
4: So I had created duplicate as a pilot script. And I had just around that time started going to conventions. I had this friend that kept like hounding me to go to comic conventions. She was like, you're gonna enjoy it. And I was like, I I don't know. And then I went and I was like, what what is wrong with me? Why I haven't, I've been going to these my entire life. I'm an idiot. And so that's when I really started getting into reading comics. And uh, I noticed that people were starting to kind of do comics as a way to be another level of their pitch for their projects in TV. So I thought, well, let me see if I can figure out how to write this because this is like an entirely different medium that I'm not that familiar with. I don't feel like I can just pick up a pen and just start doing it. I want to take a class and do it right and be respectful of this medium. And so I started researching classes. I didn't want to do an online class because at the time I didn't think that I would stick with something online and I found Jim's class, which was great. And it was meant to be a class to make a one-shot comic book. And then, like, Ryland and I and a couple of others in the class were like, well, I kind of want to turn these into actual series. And that's what happened. When I took the class, I was like, I, this is amazing. I, I've, everything I've been doing my whole life has been leading me to, to write comic books and so that's what made me kind of delve into it more. And then Jim created the second class for us, the long form comics class. And I actually took a drawing class with Jim, which I didn't. <laughs> Poor Jim. I kept having so much trouble with the, right, with the drawing class. You did good? I did good. Yeah, I just, I, my brain can't wrap around dimensions and sure. perspective. But yeah, it was a great class. And I met these guys and we all keep shen- sending our work to each other. And nice. it's awesome to have this group.
1: Well, and I, you, you know, you hit on something there that I think is so vital to this process because so many of us, particularly in the present day, come to comics from film rather than the other way around, mm-hmm. which I think it used to be more common to go the other way. Um, the key thing you said there is that you wanted to respect it and you found a uh, love for it while you're doing it. The initial impulse of let me create something to help my television show sell I always tell people if that's all you're doing, that's a terrible idea and you should stop because it's too much damn work and it's too complicated. And it's an entirely, it's like saying, I'm going to do an oil painting to sell my sculpture. It's like, (laughs) I don't think that's going to work. If you don't give a shit about your oil painting, it's going to be a terrible oil painting and no one's going to buy your sculpture. Uh, we'll say, it's, it's
0: also it's also an oil painting that takes like years of your life, right. your life, and tens of thousands of dollars to actually produce. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, it, it's a really bad plan. But it's a, you know, I mean, the the point that I was making before I got uh uh, uh sent into uh internet uh uh the, the internet wormhole there for a couple of minutes was that it. What is interesting to me uh, these days is, I mean, we have for years thought of film and TV and comics is just these very separate worlds, these very separate universes. And now they're so like hopelessly, you know, intertwined. Um, and and there are some people that realize that and some people that still don't. I mean, I feel like there are these kind of like old school folks who like to kind of turn their noses up. And I, I still bump up against it when I'm, you know, I'm trying to make some moves in the comic world where they're like screenwriter and they just turn their nose up at me, you know, they don't want anything to do with me, but, um, but, these two worlds are married now, whether like the families like it or not, and they're going to be walking through, uh, 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 their lives together. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 think that's interesting. And I think those who embrace it are, are really ahead of the game. And, and that was what was always so interesting to me about watching Carla work is that, I mean, Carla is a TV writer, you know, she's, she's written episodes uh, of, of TV that have actually you know aired. Um, and so, um, she had, um, I don't know, she had like 90% of the tools already walking into the comic game, you know, which is like, uh, you know, I, I would like to think of myself also. It was like, we kind of needed, um, you know, we needed someone or a group of someone's to kind of help, you know, mold the other 10%, you know, and, and, and finding Jim's class, it was, a, it was a big thing. I mean, Jim had... Um, I, I, I mean, will say it's
2: more than 10%, but that's, that's because I'm
0: the comics guy. I'm the well, comic first guy. Well, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I mean, I, I would disagree. And I think we could, we could probably sit here and argue about that for, but, but, but there is, I mean, you, you already said it, Jim, where it's like, there are, I mean, there is the, um, there is the visual storytelling element of it, but then there is the storytelling element of it, right? Like, uh, I mean, all, all of those screenwriting classes, they give you this huge, like, trough of knowledge that you will then use. I mean, you need to know how to kind of twist it and turn it and pull it and you need to know what to leave behind and all that stuff
2: ultimately Uh, you've got to be a good writer period right and so if you come into it while right and you've been studying writing for a long time and you've been writing for a while yeah you're you're, you know you, you need to learn a little bit of uh you know you need to learn uh some skills but you're not You've already got the writing
0: writing down. So but, that's but, any- yeah, but it's oh, cool. it, it, it's it's more than writing though, because you're it's like a step further than that, because you are writing for a visual uh, medium. And so and so, I was always writing scripts w- with w- with a directing element involved. That was coming to it as a director. Carla is writing episodes of of, uh, of a TV show that are are actually going to be filmed. And so you know, I mean, she 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 is on the set as it's being filmed, and and she has crafted that to be actually broken down into shots and edited and all of these things. And so 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 you're already thinking about it in that way, you know what in I'm saying? And, 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 you know, and, I don't
2: know if you know this, but one of the when we did the mystery graphic novels at at DC, a whole bunch of those the guys who wrote those were novelists. Hmm. Teaching novelists to write comics is really really a pain. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of these guys it's <laughs> was, a much I harder. Yeah. I was just thinking about thing. this. The thing so that film, Ryland, so you're right you, you yeah. it's already a similar yeah. mindset a lot of prose writers has, who, who start to write comics they they want they want to write tons and tons of narration yeah you know? now the thing that
1: film has that I was just thinking about that that prose doesn't have really at all is the manipulation of time uh, in the not just of the of the thing but the manipulation of the time of the audience. It's very difficult when you're writing prose to say I want the audience to look at this sentence for 5 minutes before they move on. You can't really do that. It's very you can't direct the eye. Right. And you can't manipulate the time. Someone could be on a sentence of your book and put it down right at the minute that you wanted them to keep reading if you if you didn't do your job right. And film manipulates time and comic books manipulate time in very different ways, but they manipulate them visually. And, you know, I was saying earlier, I never took any classes and I read a lot of books, but I learned the most about how to make comics from working with artists and from artists encouraging me to go a certain way. I've told this story on this show before, but, you know, Dave Acosta, I never used to use captions because I was coming from film and I was just like sound effects and what people say. That's, that's what's on the soundtrack of my comic book. That's what people are reading. And he was like, use captions, man. Let comics be comics. Let use the, it's part of the form. Use the whole form. Don't just use the parts of the form that remind you of film. And it really freed up my writing and made me a better writing and watching how comic book artists would The times they would go off script and break down a moment differently than I had in the script taught me so much about, oh, yeah, right. I think the mistake everyone who comes from film makes when they go to write comic books is having more than one action in frame. He crosses – you put in a panel, he crosses the room and unlocks the door. No, he doesn't. He either crosses the room or he unlocks the door. I still do that. I I still do that. (laughs) really Yeah, probably because it's the one people do all the time in scripts. And I am totally it's just like bad film directors. I was on the set once with a novice film director and I asked the DP I was producing the movie. I said, how's he doing? And he said, well, aside from wanting to see the whole room from 360 degrees in a single shot every single time, (laughs) he's doing great. Uh, You know, because he didn't have the ability to sectionalize time and to break time down and go, no, a shot can do this much. And you shouldn't maybe make it do more every single time. Uh, You can't you don't want to see in both directions at once because that's not really possible. Uh, And uh, so all of that stuff is, you know, (laughs) part of it. Steve does. No, but I was going to I was just about to say, Steve, basically the same question as Carla. What brought you in? What did you get out of it? You know, all Uh that.
3: At the time, I was I was working in toys. I was doing a lot of commercials, developing stuff for animation, and I was also writing prose on the side. And I kind of want. I had a uh, my roommate was an artist, and she was encouraging me. Just I, I had gotten her into comics, and that kind of like rekindled my whole like love of comics. And 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 uh, I you know like I said I used to make comics, and then I was like oh maybe I should start making comics again, but I kind of. I had to get into the right mindset mindset, and it just happened that Jim was doing a class. Um, but I wanted to go back to the art thing that you mentioned, Dave, because one of the reasons why I actually started writing and drawing uh, and drawing my comics, even though, you know, the art wasn't necessarily up to snuff was just because of like learning the language of comics. So much of that is learning, learning the art of comics, you know? Um, I started doing it, I did a a comic strip, Unemployant, which is basically, it was basically three panels with a beginning, middle, and an end. And I Mm -hmm. did that for, I think I did 160 of them. And that was just training in terms of just one, a basic structure, but also learning like, you know, you say, walk across the room, unlock the door. In a comic, you're either gonna, you know, do one or the other. And to have to do a whole story in three panels, now you're like, you know, you're focusing your mind on, what specific action am I choosing, you know? Um, So I I was doing a lot of that and a lot of drawing and uh, trying to understand how an artist would take a script and break that down into a panel and why a certain page would read a certain way as a script. And it's the same thing in film, you know, you see, I mean, Rylan can talk to it probably better, but you write a page of script, now you're on set with the director and you're holding a camera, and, you know, it it changes the dynamic of everything. You know, you might change a movement, you might change a line, you know, all these things change in the process. Um, And then Jim's class was, it was just helpful kind of being around other people, uh, you know, having other people to show stuff to, bouncing ideas off of. And uh, I think I wound up taking that last class with Ryland and Carla, because I had a had a concept that I was developing that I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite break the story,
0: mm.
3: and then I wound up doing it, um, doing it in that class. Although I never, I haven't quite, I haven't gotten to it yet.
2: <laughs> Five years later, I'm still. You've done a few sorry. other comics pages
0: since then, <laughs> a thousand or
2: so. Just a couple, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a, I mean, there's there's a, a story that is sort of being pieced together here, and uh, and and it's something that I'm very interested in, and you know, we were talking about this a little bit, um, you know, in the green room before we hit record here, and that's this idea of, I mean, one, it's kind of the comic shop as a community center, also, but it's, um, but you know, I think it's bigger than that. It's about the kind of like, it's what a community can do uh, for a comic creator. You know, trying to um, uh, trying to get into this game on your own, you know, sitting in you know sitting in an office just with your head down, it's it's very hard. It's very difficult. You you can't you can't see all of the possibilities. You're not motivated. You're not inspired. And um, that was something that I think Meltdown the comic shop uh, did for a lot of us um was it just it, it gave us a place to all kind of gather with like-minded people right it's, it's like jim said like jim is a guy who he taught comics for years right and uh he gets to la he wants to teach comics and well where do i do it how do i do it he wanders into <laughs> meltdown which again is it, i mean meltdown was i mean all comic shops are wonderful but, but meltdown was, was like a unique comic thing. shop it, yeah and you talk about a community center i mean there was a comedy uh there was a comedy theater in the back and mm-hmm. uh you know, all sorts of events all the time and, um, and contests and this, that, and the other thing. And Jim just walked in and said, this is the perfect place to do this. There, there's a community of people here who love comics, who probably want to create comics, but they don't know how they, they don't have the motivation. They don't, they don't see the door to walk through. Right. And it was what Jim mm-hmm. did was he set up this class and it became the door that most, that, that many of us walk through. And so, certainly the three of us, I mean, it was, I was, um, I haven't you know, really told my story in terms of this yet, but, you know, I was, um, I mean, comics are always my first love. Um, I actually tried to uh, uh, make a comic when I was back in college um, uh, at the University of Michigan, but um, the game was completely different then. It was like, you you're, uh, you basically had to, you're dealing with physical drawings. You basically had to know an artist in your town. There, there weren't these like massive uh, online, uh, uh, you know, groups full of artists that are eager to work and everything. Um, and, uh, revisions were a pain in the ass cause all the drawings are physical, but, but okay, you find an artist, where do you find a colorist in the letterer in Ann Arbor, Michigan? And, and, you know, 1998 or whatever, um, wasn't happening. So, you know, tried and failed. And, um, about five years ago, maybe a little longer now, um, this game got a whole lot easier and, and, and easier is not easier. is not the right word. Cause this is never easy. Right. Um, but, but it became more possible. Um, uh, workflow went completely digital right um you know I, all of my artists now they they haven't drawn on paper in in years basically um uh files are just know they're all digital they're trading it doesn't matter
2: if they do if they draw on paper
0: they're going to scan it anyway so yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then revisions revisions happen in a couple of minutes um uh you you no longer have to know an artist in your town because there are these massive groups online like connecting comic book writers and artists on facebook that has thirty five thousand members and all it is is a gallery of artists some some incredible some not so incredible and everything in between. And they're just throwing their work up there with a page rate, and so if, if you have an idea and you want an artist, uh, that's great. But I didn't know how to find any of that, right? And mm-hmm. and and I just, you know, I just knew that, um, you know, I was. Uh, I mean, at that point, I had been writing in, in Hollywood for a dozen years, and um, you know, Hollywood Hollywood changed radically, um, uh, you know, over the course of my first kind of dozen years uh, writing, where it was like, um, you know, I grew up in the Sundance era. I saw Pulp fiction and I said, "I want to do that. I want to tell stories like that." But by the time I got out to Hollywood, uh, they stopped making movies like that. Basically, the entire independent film movement just, you know, moved down to television, mutated, became something completely different. By the time I got spit into the the, the Hollywood sort of workforce, like they're ma- they were making five different kind of films. Uh, they want them all done a certain way um and so basically i sound like an asshole when i say this but i got sort of stuck writing these kind of big hollywood action movies um and it's a wonderful job and i wouldn't trade it for anything but like after you know after a dozen years of writing like the same five movies the same exact way over and over and over again um i was you know i was tired i was burnt out i was miserable you know it was like um i got really good at doing that those movies bought my house but like but i didn't know if i could spend another dozen years doing that and so i knew that i needed I needed a new outlet. Right. Um, and I suspected that comics were going to be the case. The beauty of comics is that you can, you can do, you can do almost anything. You, you can tell any kind of story, any kind of way, as long as it's good. Right. The unlimited uh, budget of comics. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and so, um, and so I was really interested in that. And, and when I finally got into comics, I sort of made this promise to myself that I was never going to tell a straightforward story. I was going to double down on experimental elements and, and telling the story out of order. And, 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 and I've, I've gone crazy. If you've read my books, you know, I've gone crazy with a lot of that stuff. Um, but comics very much saved my creative life and they kind of breathed new life into my, my writing career. But that all started, um, You know at meltdown in jim's class with these people and uh and i needed to find that door to walk through it was uh Mm -hmm. um i i i wanted to get into this game uh i didn't know how i needed to find you know i needed to find the people that could kind of show me how or 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 together we could find out how and so you know i i I don't even remember how i tripped over the class i mean maybe it was a, a a recommendation from someone Um, I really wish I could stop and think and remember how I found the class, but, um, but, you know, sort of signed up for it, uh, you know, just, um, just on a lark and, uh, and went in and just, um, you know, hit it off with Jim and hit hit it off with some of the people in the class. And, and the, the information that Jim presents in the class was, was very valuable, you know, particularly Jim could, I mean, Jim, Jim knows his students well, right. And so he knows, well, okay, uh, um, you know, sometimes people are coming in and they're kind of an empty glass that he has to fill up with knowledge, right? Uh, sometimes people, their glasses is half full and Jim knows, Jim knows just the right amount to pour into that glass. Sometimes he knows, well, we gotta dump this out and dump this out and replace it with this. That, that was all good. Like Jim, Jim knew what to tell me to kind of like, so I could take my film and TV tools and apply them to a comic thing, that, that helped a lot. The other thing that really helped um, was just simply having structure you know, um, I mean, coming in and Jim saying, well, by the end of this six weeks or eight weeks or ho- however long it was, um, you need to have this first comic script done. Right. And and these are the benchmarks we're going to hit. And so every week you're going to come in, you're going to workshop this. And, and, and that was amazing, too, is like you 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 write, you know, you write your outline, you come in, everybody reads it and they 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 tear it apart and build it back up. Right. Uh, you bring in, you you bring in the, the first act of your, your comic and everybody reads it and they tear it apart and they bring it back down. And, and going through that was very instructive. I mean, you have like, you know, we're in there and Jim's there and he's an old pro, but you have 12 other people who are dedicated to the same thing. Uh, and all come from, from really interesting, you know, uh, storytelling backgrounds and, and they are, they are giving you this feedback, and and no matter what, it's valuable. Some of the notes you take, some of the notes you toss out, but seeing how people are reacting to it and processing uh, 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 your your script uh, is 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 extremely valuable. Right? Um, go, go ahead, Jim. What were you gonna say?
2: One one of the things that that is just it it, it re, re, repeatedly amazes me. You know, with every every class I I do is that if I have even if I have only three students in a class, the stories are all different. And I'll get one person doing a memoir, one person doing a science fiction story, and one person doing a, um, you know, like a kind of of kids-oriented, all-ages, you know, fun story. Or I'll get, you know, or I'll get someone doing a horror story, and I'll get someone doing... And so, and then you'll get people who are kind of beginners and and people who are you know much more fur- further along the line and the person who will is the beginner will often have some really incredible insight because they're not they haven't had their vision tunnel visions yet by being in the medium for for too long or mm-hmm. they just have a more open view of of what the possibilities are and then the you know the person who's really got a lot of experience the beginners are often like, Thanks for your notes. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. You know, and the you can't get that on your own, you just yep. can't. And, uh, and even just from the subject matters, right? So, like, you're writing a genre, say, someone's writing a genre story and someone's writing a memoir story. The person who's writing the genre story is being faced by someone doing something personal, emotion, more emotional. And something that has more of a, an intimate feel to it. If they could le- learn to bring some of that into their genre story, their genre story is going to be much much better. You yeah, know, yeah.
0: That's, that's um, really well said. And, then, and
2: the yeah. genre writer, maybe you know, is probably a good plotter. Or most yeah. most people, that's their strengths. And the the maybe the novice person writing the memoir is meandering.
0: Yeah, and it's a it, yeah. I mean, it's a, they it's learn. A- yeah, it's where I was going with this is just the this this idea of community, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I and I guess we all together because all you guys have been on my panels at, at Comic Cons, and um, I do a lot of how to panels at at, at Comic Cons. And, um and and one of the more popular panels is publishing your first comic, right? Um, everybody wants to know, you know, how do I do this? What What's the first step? Um, and, you know, I mean, the first thing is like, you know, just write make it go out and do it. Like the, that's the biggest thing is like people getting over that hump is this massive problem for everybody. Just fucking do it. Right. But of course, that's, of course, that's more, uh, you know, th- th- that's more complex, a problem than I'm, th- that I'm letting on. But, but I think the, the biggest thing and what we all found at Meltdown in this class with each other is community right it is a, it is it is a community of creators who are they're all moving in the same direction i mean it's like it, it is so much easier to swim against the current when you're doing it as a group so so getting in here and not only learning not only learning the how to the steps the do this do this do the structure it this way don't do this don't do that that was all important um having the feedback was very important just being able to workshop your material and, and get that but finding this community like all these people it's like hey it is a lot easier to do this all together and so it's what we have done over the years is we have kind of found and 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 and, and you know held on to each other I mean I, I, I workshop the, the first issue of aberrant um, in that first uh, class with Jim uh, and you know but then Steve Carla and I stayed you know stayed in touch ever since then, I mean, that was, what was that? Was it four years ago, five years ago? No, I, I uh, five I, years ago. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. yeah. Right? I, I don't know. And then, and then Aberrant gets a 10 issue order from, from action lab. And suddenly I am doing a monthly book um, and Steve and Carla read every issue of Aberrant and noted it up backwards and forwards and helped me through everything. And every time there was a problem where I was stuck on something, I went to Steve, I went to Carla, Um, And they had my back and they were doing the same thing. I knew I could do that. And so, and it all culminates with, you know, a few years later, uh, uh, you know, Aberrant gets nominated uh, for for a couple of of Ringo's and I am at the Ringo awards ceremony and Carlos with me (laughs) at at the Ringo (laughs) awards ceremony. Um, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and when, when Averick gets announced, uh, uh, you know, for the, for the best villain award, I was sort of stunned. I didn't expect it. I was it. like, get
4: up there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I they announce, me, and I'm just kind of sitting there and it was Carla who went over <laughs> and says, uh, you know, you have to get up and accept this thing. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, and so I went up there and, um, and I'm accepting this award and it's, uh, you can actually see it up there. It's a nice little square thing up there. Um, and, uh, but, um, but jim and carla and uh and steve and and jeff Leeds and a couple other people were the first people that i that i thanked when um when when i accepted that award and 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 i think that is so important so if you are out there and you are watching this and you want to make your first comic book i think that that is the most important thing you can do is find a community of like-minded people who all want to do this and then do it together because it's going to be so much more fun It's uh, uh, they're going to keep you honest. They're going to keep you moving in the right direction. They are going to give you the feedback you need. They're going to be there for support. And when you are, uh, they will go to your award ceremony with you and let you know that you actually have to get up and accept set awards. Well, and you uh, you also the,
1: the, the little teaching I've done at uh, conventions, I talk about networking a lot because I think it's a, a vastly misunderstood process. And it's, it's more what you're talking about than what, people think it's going to a party and jamming your business card into people's hands or handing them a comic. And I always, you know, I always go back to people saying it's no fair because everybody just wants to employ their friends. And I'm like, yeah, you're damn right. You just want to work with your friends. <laughs> so you're not looking for business associates. You're making friends. And that's what the community is. And the the most important part for me is you leave the door open I got my first gigs because someone recommended me for something, um, because they had read an old script of mine. Uh, I try to recommend people for things all the time. I try to, when someone says I'm looking for an artist for XYZ, i Z, I'm like, oh, this guy I worked with on the Zorro thing. You should hire him. He's great. And you keep an eye out for new talent and you encourage them and you do everything you can. And it's not because, well, someday they're going to pay me back. That's sort of the great thing about networking is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a catch and release. You, you just let it go. You do the nice thing. And if it comes back to you, great. And if it doesn't, you know what? You did a nice thing. And the smallness of the community, I wanted an artist. I created this thing that's a comic within a comic for drawing blood called uh, GTFO Girl. And I very much did not want to write it or draw it because it's about a very young woman. And I could, and it's supposed to be written by like a 16 year old girl in 2020. And I could fake that voice, but I wasn't interested in faking that voice. So I went to an old friend of mine, Amanda uh, Debert, who we've had on the show, and she wrote it and she did an amazing job. And to draw it, I went on Twitter and clicked on the visible woman hashtag and looked at everybody's art. And
2: I found a woman named Skylar Patridge. What is that? What is that, David? Could you explain that? GTFO girl. No, the Invisible Woman hashtag. Oh, Visible,
1: Visible, visible Woman is a hashtag, mm-hmm. and it's not just comic books, though comic books do. It's basically women showing their art, their work, their whatever to get hired, to get noticed. To oh, that's great. And if you click on the hashtag, you just see this flood wow. of pretty amazing. Art and pretty amazing stuff. But what they I didn't have about, that in
0: 1998?
1: Anyway. No, they sure didn't. But what I love about the smallness of the community is I found this woman, Skyler, and I loved her art. And I reached out to her through Twitter and I said, "Hey, uh, love your art. I've got this thing. I just want to do a four-page thing. I'll pay you a really good page rate. Are you interested?" And she said, "I had drinks with you at the Albuquerque Comic Con. We were sitting at the other. We didn't actually get introduced." But she's like, I'm an old friend of Ben Bishop's who actually draws drawing blood. And so we were all sitting at this big table in the hotel bar. But I've actually seen you from across the room and waved at you. We just didn't get introduced. But I had heard your name, so I knew who you were. So this person that I thought was a complete stranger from the Internet that I would have no connection to is like a friend of an artist I'm already working with. i always say in comics
2: there's one degree of separation yeah
1: absolutely i mean even when you find something you think i was working with an artist in manila who i had personally never heard of before and i mentioned his name at long beach comic-con and another editor standing next to me was like oh yeah i I, roy martinez drew something for me once and i was like really wild but that's the the also the global reach of it you don't It's not always going to be someone you sat with in Albuquerque. It can be someone literally on the other side of the planet, and they're still somehow connected to you. They have worked with people that you work with. And also, by the way, this is another reason to be as excellent with your word and deed as you possibly can be and to be live up to the best practices you can possibly live up to because people are going to hear about it.
0: I, I, I really love this idea of community karma I mean that's what we're talking about right it's yeah. like what you put out there comes back twofold one way or another right and um, and you know the, then there's there's this other thing too where it's like game recognized game you know i I, I believe Omar said that you know uh, uh, in the wire um I mean it was like uh, I, I mean Avalone, it's kind of how you and I met right yeah. is that is um I mean just out there doing our thing right and uh, and and it's like you said just you know, just try to keep moving forward, try to lift people up, Uh, you know, people, uh, everybody develops an opinion on you. And, uh, and you start to notice who, you know, who, who is like a fellow traveler, I guess, Mm -hmm. is, is the thing. And I think that I think Steve, Carla, and I had uh, a similar thing in, in Jim's class, where it was like, because Jim's class was it started out with like, I don't know. We we did two classes together. So like over the course, we were probably in that class with 30 35 other people, you know. Uh yeah, maybe what, what,
2: what class are you talking about? I wish I had that many students.
0: <laughs> whatever, maybe it was 20 or whatever, but 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 you know, but we ended up with a very small <laughs> minority right here but it was like but we found each other i mean we were in that class and there were and and there are people who are moving in the same direction and people who are kind of maybe shooting off in this direction yeah. <laughs> or people or people who are like 200 pound weight straps your ankle right that you're kind of dragging through things and um and, and 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 the people with the good karma the people that are moving in that direction they all kind of end up sticking together and they end up finding each other i think uh i mean Avaloni had popped on my radar probably a dozen times like hmm. this you know this is a guy you want to meet this is a good guy this is a guy who's That's helped awesome. me uh, and, then, and and then you start you know I mean the, the beauty of this is that there's context for everything right um, you're not I mean if you if you are some random person in Nebraska and you go to a party like you don't you don't know anything maybe about the person who you you bump into at the you know at the whatever at the the punch bowl or whatever right um, however in comics, uh, you start hearing about somebody in a con like they have put out work for two, three, five, ten, twenty years, right? And so you can actually go to comiXology, You can you can download a, a, a shit ton of issues and read up and be like, wow, you know, this person is this. You get to kind of see the person's soul on a page, right? um uh and that's very interesting and so there's context for all of this stuff and so at some point avaloni i don't know who it was like hmm. um uh you know we we, we yeah yeah I, I, it probably was you um, i met
4: jim introduced me to david at a convention yeah. and then yeah. you were looking yeah. for a panelist and I introduced you to David. <laughs>
0: That's absolutely what happened. I, I I I put a call out on uh, on on Facebook, being like, um, uh, I need a, I, I have a panelist at WonderCon or something like that. Um, uh, it's a Kickstarter panel, and do you know anybody that would be good for this? And Carla hit me hit me up no, with I'm try sure. David Avalone. I, right. I, I had heard, you know, I I I knew David because uh, we ran in the same circles, and I reached out on Facebook, and um, and he's like, hey, let's grab coffee. And it was one of these coffees, we've talked about this before, where you expect it to be a half hour, like any normal coffee. And I think about we blanked and about three hours uh, uh, passed yeah. and, uh, and, and we were, you know, and now we're doing a podcast together. So.
3: <laughs> well, when you, but, uh, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, go, Steve. Uh, well, I was going to say about Ryland, uh, you know, after that class, I actually fell off the face of the earth for, I think, almost two years because I had kids and then some other stuff. And Ryland actually emailed me almost out of the blue about one of those panels, you know, uh, to come do it. And at that point I hadn't, I would kind of stopped doing comics just because I had so much going on in my personal life. Um, And that got me started on uh, Monster Matador again. And then we started, you know, our little reading group and just having that community also, it just like, it forces you to also kind of like as a writer it forces you to write up when you're when you're work when you're reading, you know, I know if Ryland's sending me a script or Carla's sending me a script. You know, if I'm sending them a script, it has to be at a certain level, otherwise, you know, I'm not gonna be able, you know what I mean? So it kind of it, it pushes you to be better. Um, and that's that's the other, you know, good part about the community. The other great part is you can steal artists from Ryland. <laughs> <laughs> Fabio Alvarez <laughs> drawing monster matador. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love that cover, Steve. I've yeah. I've loved it since I first saw it. It's real good. Uh, let me but, d- let no, me just I mean, say
0: it, let me just say the jump number two is now a month late because this, this asshole <laughs> has been drawing matador. <laughs>
2: so
3: Fabio, so Fabio emails me saying, "Hey, dude, I really want to draw matador again," and then I have to be like, "Rylan, is, is Fabio drawing the <laughs> jump?" <laughs> no, dude. What's he doing? I'm like, oh, he's he asked me if he can draw matador. So then I have to tell Fabio, no you have to go draw matador. You have to go draw the jump. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> but that's, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I got that. I got this idiot nominated for a, uh, a, 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 a Ringo and uh, it's a chore to draw my comics. What's he wants to be drawing the it? matador comic. Good <laughs> like jerk.
1: But yeah, and that looks, the, the reason we did this podcast is to keep, uh to keep the community connected and alive and to keep having these You know, post con floor conversations with one another, because it is you know there are there are a lot of fun things that we miss about cons, but you know Rylan and I miss this part the most. (laughs) You know, Um, uh, Stephen and I are both on a uh, the fan base the lovely people at Fanbase Press, Barbara and uh, Brian Dillon have a Saturday morning uh, coffee Zoom call. Uh, Rylan's joined us a few times. Jim, Carly, you should definitely join this. Uh, And it's just usually a dozen comic creators sitting around talking about what's going on. She always opens the meeting or Brian opens the meeting by saying, anybody have any good news this week? Uh, And we started it in, we started, the first one was in March. And I think I was the pain in the ass that said, she was like, so how often should we do these? And I was like, oh, once a month. And I was like, every week, this every week. And once I, I, think everyone was kind of afraid to be that needy, and I was not. I was like,
3: no, <laughs> it was right when locked, the lockdown is right when the lockdown started. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah.
1: no, God,
2: uh oh, uh oh, no.
4: Internet purgatory. It's yeah,
2: <laughs> black <and> <laughs> black <laughs> the
3: black
4: hole. Only the hosts. <laughs> it's only the hosts. Yeah, yeah no, they're, no, they're no,
0: after my, you guys. Yeah, my computer straight uh, shut down. Um, oh, no, that's
4: not good. Yeah, but you
0: know yeah. what.
3: What Dave said about also, you know, you want to work with your friends. I mean, all these artists that have done, you know, my book are all people I've met either at conventions or they're friends of friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like I, a lot of people sometimes think it's a conspiracy, like, oh, you're just working with, you know, but it's like, no, you want to work with people, you know, and I also know that if, you know, someone I know recommends someone to me or someone I- that I've met, I know they're going to do the work. You know, that, you're not
2: hiring. you're not bringing them on because you they're your buddy alone right. you're, you or right. or you' they're your buddy period it's like they're vetted and so you you know you're bringing them on because they're good it's, They have to be good yeah. first and, and when
3: yeah and if you're doing a 22 page comic it's I mean I've done it it's a lot of work and a lot of artists think like oh yeah I'm an art like I'm a comic artist yeah I can do it I'm gonna sit down and do 22 pages and two years later they've got five pages done yeah yeah you know
0: there, yeah there, there, there are a lot of great artists that cannot that are not suited for this work. I mean it's like uh you know comic uh, being a comic artist is not about doing great art. it's about doing very good art quickly yeah. um, you know for the most part. and of course, there's a place for great art and, and you have to know how to kind of legislate that. I mean um, you know we had uh, we had Alex DeCampion campion last week and and she was talking about this where you know show good artists where they want to come in and they want to make every panel a home run. Right right and it takes forever and it's distracting ultimately it's like you 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 open up a page and and you don't know where your eyes supposed to go right and 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 she's like you know she was breaking it down like you got to settle for some singles some doubles some triples and and pick one panel per page and uh and make it the home run right um and uh and i thought that was very telling and 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 so you have to learn how to do this obviously there he is Ah. (laughs) and um and and so yeah that, that recommendation from a friend ends up being very very important because the number of flakes that that, that i have encountered i know we've all encountered and, and 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 i'm in an interesting position talking about this because you know steve carla and i i mean we have a text thread where all we do is kind of complain about the people who have <laughs> fucked us over um whether it's a publisher or, uh, or an artist or or another creator or or, or whatever i mean there, there's there's more to it than that but but there's a lot of it and um yeah the number of books that i have I have started, uh, but have had to restart or are still kind of stuck in a purgatory because I mean, it's just, you know, people are not ultimately dependable. Um, even when you are paying them a good rate, even when, uh, you know, you have a, 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 a Ringo award, even when you have a publisher on the hook, even when, even when, even when, even when, I mean, uh, you know, Avalone is doing a book with, um, uh, with Kevin Eastman uh, that has been wildly successful, uh, you know, two, uh, two Kickstarter campaigns over $100,000 and then, a, a, you know, legit uh, comic shop release. And um, and they still have problems with uh, their contributors. Um, so 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 being able to call somebody and and for somebody to be able to say, yeah, this person is solid uh, uh, on time. And and yeah. it's- D- David, we can't hear you.
2: Oh, can we you can know?
0: hardly hear you.
1: Hmm. My mic is plugged in. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, you
1: sound oh, very
2: volume very low. low.
1: Hold on. How about now?
2: There you That's go. Better.
1: Yeah, okay. okay yeah, yeah, I think my no, volume. My volume reset. By the way, I ordered a replacement cable for my Ooh. computer <laughs> charger. It was literally sparking <laughs> and smoking at the last couple of minutes. Ooh, it's wow, supposed to come today, by the way. Nice. So so much for that. Uh but you know, I've been a freelancer for a really long time. I have enormous sympathy for the difficulties of scheduling yourself, of being your own boss, of the world not getting in the way. And this year we've got the COVID and the lockdowns. And like some of the people that I work with, they expected to be making a lot of money at conventions. And now they have to take on a zillion commissions. You know, I, I won't name names, but I, I work with some people who their their convention Appearances are 70% of their income. And if you're not getting 70% of your income, you got to draw a lot of turtles for people. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> I say that with absolute mad respect, but it's like, you can't just imagine that money, you know, back into your bank account. You have to, we've all had to adapt our schedules this year and take on gigs that we necessarily might not necessarily have taken Uh, To make up for the gap. Uh, And for me, also, conventions are, I can honestly say, every, eh, let's say, 85% of the work I've had in the comic book industry, not only have I only gotten it at conventions, I have gotten it specifically at the Odyssey bar at the Hilton Bayfront in San Francisco. Like, literally, that bar is my yeah, in san diego, that 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 bar is my is my uh, agent and manager all in one. I should give the bartender a percentage. Um, and without that, you know we're we have to do this. We have to find other ways to stay in touch with the comic book world and stay on top of it and stay in each other's lives.
2: I have a question for Carla. Um, Carla, you left l a how How many years ago? Two or three?
1: 2 ish. <laughs> and
2: um so you know this year we had a lockdown but the year before or so you know you were out of the physical community of Los Angeles which is where a lot of this networking and stuff happened you couldn't just i don't know i don't know if you went to comic con i think you may have but you I know it yeah. wasn't that easy to just go to like the million conventions that there are in in LA So how how was that year for you in terms of this networking and community stuff having to do it either virtually or doing it in the East Coast?
4: Uh, Well, the first year when we moved here was incredibly difficult because I ended up kind of hopscotching between three different states with my kid by myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) due to circumstances outside of my control. So i sort of became a single parent for a while while my husband was trying to get this house that we're in now finished and so that made my ability to do almost anything impossible (laughs) Uh because i was having to take care of my son by myself and Mm -hmm. not being able to go to those conventions really (laughs) really sucked so when i finally was able to like go the first convention i had been to other than flying out to San Diego was the one where Rylan got the Ringo, the Baltimore one. And I was like so excited. It was like my first day to myself, basically, since my kid had been born. And he was almost two at that point. So now that we're in Pennsylvania, it's even harder, even before the shutdowns, because we're in such a rural area, there's like nothing in this area so it's like in California I could drive to a lot of these conventions for the day like yeah. Anaheim, Long Beach, Lo- you know, Los Angeles that was great but here there's a whole added expense of a hotel cuz nothing is nearby you ha- like you have to drive to them and they're too far away to just do as a day drive except for maybe Philly
2: I was going to say are you 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 you're, even Philly is kind of a hike
4: Philly I could do Philly in a day Philly's like 2 hours Okay. about <laughs> but that's about
0: it yeah it's another uh a, another benefit of having a community is that uh w- you know we all chip in for the uh you know for a house or or, or, or an apartment for uh for san diego comic-con <laughs> so yeah we all stayed together at san diego yeah, it de- the last time definitely we went. comes <laughs> down on the expenses yeah yeah wild and, uh, yeah the
1: the, the the i finally did something smart about housing at san diego for 2020
3: <laughs> oh, which was the that week, really worked out for you.
1: Yeah. The week after Comic Con. Tell,
3: tell us after.
1: If, <laughs> if, no, one will, no one will remember. It'll be so long before the next con. Uh, That's right. The week after, I've always wanted to do this and I've never, just never had the resources or the ability or, or remembered. Like August 1st, 2019, there's this great little boutique hotel in Little Italy in San Diego that I love. And they hadn't blocked out the dates yet for the for the for the lottery. So like a week after Comic Con, I booked my favorite hotel in San Diego a year in advance. And I was so proud of myself. Great. And, and, and in March like I was like, I guess I'm canceling that reservation. And then he it. and it's
2: not like Airbnb an Airbnb where you gotta put the money up.
1: Yeah, no, this was know? luckily yeah. on like hotels.com or something. Right, right, I I punched a button and it went away, and I didn't have to pay anything. But it was still just like, you did it the one time I worked this out <laughs> to my absolute satisfaction, and it wasn't a shitty because I've the thing that uh, this is another this is another trick that people. don't, Not every hotel in San Diego participates in that stupid uh, lottery, and mm. not every hotel that doesn't participate is a complete nightmare hole in the wall. So, like, you look about well, a mile away, a night. right? So, you look about a mile away from the convention center, yeah. and you can the while everyone's killing themselves over the lottery, you can actually find some like you know not great hotel, but not terrible hotel for like one hundred and twenty five a night or something.
2: For years, uh, I stayed in a hostel because um, yeah. I, I I I don't have a lot of self consciousness about such things. So, <laughs> and as a matter of fact, one year. I met uh, a guy. The whole room was me and a bunch of artists from Brazil. Mm-hmm. So it was like right. fantastic. Oh, I that was like oh, it was great. Yep. And they're actually a a uh, uh, an artists uh, the 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 one guy who is the 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 group leader, I guess. He runs an artists' house called Quadrinos. Uh, so that he's got. If you guys need like artists, incubator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, like, uh, Ehrlich Bachman.
1: Yeah. Well, we should probably wrap up. We're, we're over an hour, and that was that was all very fascinating uh, stuff. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it, um, and to to have our little your your little mini meltdown uh, reunion there. While mm-hmm. I while, while I while I was sitting alone at home reading. Uh, <laughs> Re- reading books and going, wow, Brian Bendis ran out of things to say about writing comics in 15 pages. Okay. <laughs> yeah. totally. Look, all due respect, I would run out of things to say, I could not write a book on, on how to write comics that was longer than 15 pages. I, In terms of like what is, if you're not going to be Denny O'Neill and say story needs, stories need a beginning, middle, and end, and this is yeah. what an antagonist is. If you're not doing that, if you're doing, you're already a writer here's what are the specific things about comic books that you really need to learn. Once I get past that part, that's that I'm, I'm probably done in 15 pages and maybe that's a bad reflection on me, but I, you know,
3: it's hard to quantify, you know, then there's Uh, that. It
4: really is.
1: Especially also, it's one thing when you're teaching a class, you're responding to material and you're able to use material as the grist for the teaching mill, I would imagine, as opposed to just like here are general principles, you know. Uh, the one that stuff. blew my the one that blew my mind was page turns. That was the real like that that was the thing where the light bulb went off, and I went, "Oh, that is the engine that drives comic books that I have never noticed my entire life." Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's set up punchline, <laughs> you know, as you turn a page. But lot uh, of
2: what I. A lot of what I teach, I have accumulated over the years by looking at students' work. So I right. have a lot more material that I uh, tell people now than I did twenty years ago when I was, sure. you know, starting out at School of Visual Arts. Um, and uh, I keep, I keep saying I'm gonna to myself, I'm gonna write a book, but I'll, I'll, I'll I was let you ask know you that I'm, actually, if you
1: had any plans to write a book that was longer than fifteen pages. I've got it in me. I mean, uh, no, I, I you
2: you know, I've got, you know, I have a, a show. Actually, I should plug this. I have a show on Amazon Prime called Crafting Comics with Jim Higgins, um, Tiffany Smith, who is a big, uh, um, she's a, a big name with DC in their in their media presentations. So whenever there's red carpet stuff, she 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 interviews the stars. She hosts panels at Comic Con. She was my co-host, but this was uh, a class twelve uh, episode thing about about drawing comics. Mm. Um, but we, you know, you're talking a lot about visual storytelling in sure. that. And, um, and what's the title again? of that? It's called Crafting Comics with Jim Higgins. And because of that, it gave me a lot of material that's broken down already into stuff to put into a book. So, um, well,
1: everyone who listens to this podcast should watch that show. And if you don't have the, if you don't that. have the twelve hours to watch that show, put it on and leave the room. So at least Jim gets the credit that people are watching the show. <laughs> like it's a really
0: good
2: idea. It's
1: important. I don't care if you watch it. It would be great if you watch it. But
2: at the very least, give I him am- that. Give him that hit you know i am jim higgins and i approve of this message
0: <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny that you talk about writing your uh, your uh, 15 page how to write comics book um my uh, uh if you know me i am a an ordained soto zen buddhist monk and i i was ordained by this teacher brad warner who is one of the sort of big bad primary zen authors in america he wrote this book called hardcore zen which is like so you know, hundreds of thousands of copies, and he's written probably ten other books. But if if you want to know about American Zen, hardcore Zen is 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 pretty amazing. But um, I've sat with him for years, and at some point, I don't remember who somebody uh, close to us said, "Hey, Riley, you're a writer. Like, why don't you write a Zen book?" And um, and I thought about it for a second, and I and and and, and I grabbed a single sheet of paper, uh, and I wrote my Zen book, and <laughs> and I and I wrote, you know, Zen How to by Ryland Grant one don't be an asshole <laughs> to uh, meditate. And that, that, that was my Zen book. That's yeah. my, that, that's my Zen. How to, yeah. that's all no, I have to say it's, about it's, that. That. That's
1: like my, my relationship advice book. If I can, if I could get it past two words, I would really have a million seller, but uh, I get uh, pay attention.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So if you want to do yeah, that, so if you would like to, if you that's would like my to relationship my...
1: advice. pay attention,
0: if you would like to purchase my single pages and uh, how to pdf uh, you can uh send uh 1995 to uh rylan grant at uh gmail.com and you're not gonna put out a hardcover. well we'll no. see i mean it's maybe Plot, uh, maybe stitching, 20, binding. 29.99 yeah I, I could kickstart it i guess a lot right? of variant yeah. covers that's where you make the money <laughs> Variant
1: variant covers. Covers. that or, said though have you considered turning that other guy's zen book into a graphic novel
0: yeah it's maybe not a bad idea we, we actually did a um uh i am uh i'm kind of on the two-yard line with the publisher with a, uh, a tokusatsu book that he and i kind of did together so uh okay. more comfortable oh, yeah what is that uh tokusatsu is the um the japanese uh sci-fi genre that includes like Power Rangers and Ultraman and Voltron, but um, it oh, also I, I, I thought that was Super Sentai. Uh, well, Super Sentai is is a Tokusatsu joint. Uh, but but it also includes monster movies like Godzilla and stuff like that. Brad was a um uh you know Brad is a a, a Soto Zen monk, but you know in his in his his real life quote unquote he was for about a dozen years an executive for Zuberia Productions, which was a company that uh, was founded by the creator of Godzilla that is best known for making the Ultraman movies. And so um, yeah. Brad was, was a, uh, was a tokusatsu producer in Japan for a dozen years. And then he came here to uh, came back to, while he was in Japan, he writes his Zen book. It becomes this huge deal in America. And so he came back to America and just started teaching Zen. And, uh, and so he's a comic book guy too. And um, we have for years talked about how tokusatsu doesn't really get a fair shake in America. And so we um decided to try and package it for an American uh, uh action audience and um, and so nice. our book is kind of Voltron meets uh you know fast and the furious and um and of course I have uh, one of my claims to fame is I've written for uh the directors of can't remember if it's six or seven of the nine uh, fast and the furious movies at this point so um so if there's a guy who um who, who kind of knows that uh, uh it's me and so we we have sort of combined uh, uh, forces to make but I think is a pretty damn good Tokusatsu book, and um, yeah, we're uh, we're on the two yard line with the publisher. We were actually, um, uh, uh, I mean, we were um, we were set to be announced with a, a, a pretty big, uh, substantial publisher right before COVID hit, and then uh, it was pencils down everywhere, and then people started getting fired, and um, you know, uh, short and yeah. sweet, it came back came back to me. I had to find a new home for it. That, but that um, is,
1: that is we- always that is always the way of Hollywood. That when when yeah. Kevin and I were out there pitching, drawing blood the one place where it was mo- where it was most favorably received and they were ready to buy it, we went into FX, was it FX TV? And it was the day after the 20th Century Fox Disney merger. Yeah, and they were the like, we love it. We'd buy it if not for the fact that we're probably all fired tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was just like one of the best timed
0: meetings of all time. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the publisher thing was funny because, yeah, it's like the you know the, the EIC is on board. Uh, you know, I, I've been dealing with two other editors, and um, and so there are three people who are fully behind this thing, and literally they're about to announce it, and then everyone gets fired, and you know, in a day, I literally don't have an email address that works over at this company at this at this large comic book publisher, so I can't even. Wow. There's no, there's no one I can, I don't even know who's left. I don't know. I, there's no right. one I can contact to be like, uh, is this still going? And of course, eventually, like after, you know, a couple of weeks, you, you're, you're able to kind of back channel and figure out that, you know, they've just, you know, it's, it's been yeah. scorched or uh, The copper but, um, wire
1: is, the copper wire is out of the walls. It's, it's all yeah, over. I
0: always happens, tell
1: people that. if they want to understand Hollywood, they should read Franz Kafka's The Castle. Yeah. And I'll yeah. leave that hanging out there. You can look up the synopsis <laughs> yeah, yeah. of that book. But, yeah. it's to for, yeah, but it's about coming
2: to
0: a town. about coming
1: to a town for a job and literally being unable to find the front door of the place that promised you a job, uh, and no one can tell you <laughs> where where it is that they the people who summoned you to do the job actually reside. Uh, let's wrap this up. Usually, we like to end by going around and you know where can people find you. Plug what you got coming up next, uh, Jim. Why don't you go first?
2: Uh, I'm. Still doing classes. I do classes through the Society of Illustrators of Los Angeles. I have a class starting... uh, By the time this airs, it will have started two weeks ago or so. Um, But actually, no, I I shouldn't say that because I have another class starting on February 18th. It is the class where all these guys met, which is the writing long-form comics class. And And where
1: exactly could that be found on the interwebs?
2: uh, I mean... Uh, you want the URL or? or
1: well, I mean, if, if they, if yeah. someone wanted to, we'll, we if you, you can send us the URL and we'll put it in the show notes and people can, can find it. Google
2: Society of Illustrators of Los Angeles, Jim okay. Higgins, and, and the class should show up. Great. All right.
1: And where can people find you on the internet in general? Me?
2: Uh, yeah. www.newsuit, like you bought a new suit of clothes.net, N-E-T, not com. Nice.
1: And Steven.
3: Uh, you can find me at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the handles Monster Matador. Um, you can go to monstermatador.com. Uh, we'll be running a Kickstarter for the third and final issue of our uh mini series Tangle the Matadors, drawn by Fabio Alves, who was nominated for a Ringo Award uh, for Banjax. <laughs> also, Artist of the Jump, written by uh, Rylan Grant. Uh, never heard of him. Never heard of a either. <laughs> screenwriter or something, I don't Yeah, know. Some, some like that. Loser. Yeah, that guy's a dick. Uh, and... But type in Monster Matador, you'll find me.
1: Okay, and Carla?
4: Uh, I'm at carlanappy.com, Carla with a K. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram under Musings by Crazed. And then uh, Duplicant is probably going to be up and running for the fourth issue when this airs. And I'm also in previews right now. Uh, February, uh, FEB 211508 to order the first issue from your local comic book store. We'll nice. put it in the catalog.
2: I didn't know your issue was, <laughs> was in the catalog. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> That's it.
1: all right. Nice. Are you publishing that or is do you have a publisher for it?
4: Yeah, the publisher is Second Sight Publishing under their Second Verse banner. Nice for their sci-fi titles. So it'll come out April 7th and it'll be a bi-monthly release for the first five issues.
0: Great. It's a great book, you should get it. Rylan. <laughs> it <is. laughs> Very good. Uh, I, I am Ryland Grant, uh, at Ryland Grant, R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. Uh, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly uh, arranged letters and settled me with it. Now I'm stuck with it. Now you have to spell it, at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. Uh, and I'm always up to some fit of crazy. Um, we've plugged them enough, but Aberrant and Banjax are available in fine comic shops everywhere and on Amazon and Comicsology and all that nice stuff. <laughs> um, uh, my latest and greatest, uh, The Jump, is um, uh, available via Backer Kit along with uh, The Peacekeepers, my sort of Fargo esque um, uh, uh, police story um the jump uh, issue 2 will be kickstarted uh, at some point uh i don't know february or march i'm still settling in on it so maybe by the time this airs i'll have something in the show notes but um you can find everything uh on backerkit uh the peacekeepers.backerkit.com the peacekeepers all one word um and you'll find the jump you'll find the peacekeepers and you'll find all sorts of uh really cool and rare signed aberrant and banjack stuff i have um a lot of con variants up there that you couldn't get otherwise that you know maybe only fifty copies of them exist and you can kind of get them there and only there. Um so that's a lot of fun. So check that out. Um more announcements to come soon uh you know uh I'm kinda kinda can't talk anymore. Uh so sure. I'm gonna pass it on to
1: <laughs> and uh you can find me at David freelance uh because GoDaddy are terrible people and they grab davidavelloni.com when i searched for it once 15 Assault. years ago yeah they're terrible uh mm-hmm. i mean and that's even aside from the sexist commercials and the shitty business practices so i always like to kick GoDaddy in the shins as i walk by but uh all of the links to everything are there uh the great thing about having an unusual last name is uh all my stuff is very easy to find uh just by googling David Avelone. um and uh, what have I got going on? Uh, Dynamite keeps refusing to announce my next series, uh, which I've already written three issues for, and I'm writing the fourth one. But I'll come out and say it's Elvira meets somebody. Somebody cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got on that. And the second volume of uh, Drawing Blood is uh, in the works. And... Volumes one and two of that should be available to the general public by the summer, I would think, uh, by how things are going. But thank you so much, uh, everyone, for being on the show. Thank you, Ryland, of course, as always. And we will see you on the next exciting episode.
0: Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.